Don't you love our media person? Yes. Do you just not love her? Um, what Nan Nanny and I are going to try attempt to do, or we are going to do, is we're going to try to to bring a maybe a different input for you. Uh, how many of you have experience that you were told what to do and you just followed it? You were told what to do in church sometimes, as Mike calls it, some other barn, and you said, well, that preacher, he must know everything that he's been to seminary, so I'll just do what he, I'll believe what he believes. And oftentimes we get into a, a way of the output is very legalistic and, off, and oftentimes we are bound up by, I just don't meet, match up, I can't do it, I can't do it. Nanny and I have experienced the same thing. We grew up in, 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 a, in a fairly traditional church. We were told what to believe. And uh, through the years, there were layers, as, as Nanny said, there were layers that God brought and brought about truth for us. Um, Sean, next slide, please. Andrew Farley said this. Read it with me. The gospel. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us so that he could give his life to us in order for him to live his life through us. Anything that we got to do on that one? Is there anything, anybody? It, there's nothing. That's the gospel. Christ laid down his life for us so that he could give his life to us in order that he could live his life through us. Through us, yeah. But oftentimes we want to be the vine, don't we? As Farley said, we want to, we want to produce. So, here's five core beliefs that Sean... Five core beliefs that Nanny and I have learned truth. Law, grace, our new identity in Christ, our once for all forgiveness, our closeness to Christ. Uh, before we go on to the next slide, what does that, tell me, Carol, what does the law mean to you? The law. When I was younger, it's the, the ten big ones. And I didn't think about the other 613, is it? No, that wasn't for me. It was the 10 big ones. So that was the law. When I got a little bit older, I added Carol's laws to the 10 big ones. Uh, have to have a quiet time in the morning, in the morning. Um, I have to be in church when the doors are open. I have to give a tenth, maybe 20%, just like I do for waitresses would be good. Um, let's see. Well, you get the idea. Read my Bible every day. Read my Bible cover to cover. Don't miss anything, not even Leviticus. Don't miss Leviticus. So those were some of my laws. And if you felt yourself under that religious or that law, how did that make you feel when it, you didn't match up? Well, I could say a bad word, but it was a bad word. I didn't feel very good about myself. Yeah. 
Uh, these are scriptures that tell us our relationship with the law. Next one, Sean. We are dead to the law. Next one, Sean. Here's some scripture that tells us that we are dead to the law. So my brothers and sisters, read with me. You also died to the law through the body of Christ. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory, huh? As far as our relationship to the law. You also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Notice, notice the passage doesn't say produce fruit. It says bear fruit. You understand what that, the, the distinction is there? One writer has said, we're just fruit hangers. We're branches. We're just fruit hangers. Jesus is the one that produces the fruit through us. Those of you that know what the fruit of the Spirit are, read them off for me. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Pretty neat fruit to bear, wouldn't it be? If your life was that way, that'd be pretty cool. But now by dying to one, what once bound us, we have been released from the law. What is binding us, it says there? What's binding us? We are now by dying to once, what once bound us. The law. The law bound us. Okay, here's another scripture. We're not under the law. Next one, Sean. For sin, next one, Sean. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Yeah, but what about the Ten Commandments? Don't I get my moral? Don't I get that from the Ten Commandments? That's the law. That's the written code. What do you all think about that? Huh? That's why, That's why we got Jesus. That's why we got Jesus. Huh? We can't keep, we can't keep the good law. And Nanny mentioned that there, for the Israelites, there were 613 of them. 613. James says, if you, if you falter at just one, you're dead meat. There's only one person that's ever fulfilled the law. And that is? Jesus. Jesus. We are not supervised by the law. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, tutor under the law. The law requirements have been fully met in us. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Huh? Who 
meets the law, fully meets the law requirements in us. Jesus. Jesus does. Yeah. Uh, Christ is the end of the law for us. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Okay. So, I, I, on the law. How many of you, how many of you, there are certain rules that you go by? Yeah. Give me some examples. What you go by. What kind of rules do you go by? I don't cheat on my husband. You don't cheat on your... <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Don't cheat on tests. Huh? Don't cheat on tests. Don't cheat on tests. Okay. Those are rules that we follow. We have to follow the civil rules, don't we? We got to go 70 miles... We got to go 70 miles an hour. We got those are civil laws that we have to abide by. But what if she does cheat on her husband? I'll smack her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These scriptures are pretty pretty clear that those 613 laws, including the Ten Commandments, we're not under them. We're not under them. And if you if you break those, if you are under the law and you break those laws, you're going to feel guilty. And Christ, and, and Paul says in Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Now, tell me what grace means, Nanny. What do you think grace means? Well, I think some of you have heard this, that God's riches at Christ's expense Grace is a free gift to me from God through Jesus. And I can't do anything to earn it. He initiated it. I just said, yes, yes, grace. Andrew Farley says there's really two responses to God's grace. Wow. Thank you. That's really the response that we should be giving God. Because of his unmerited favor upon us. So, uh, God's grace is enough to motivate us. Here's two scriptures. The second one is my, one of my favorites. But the first one he says, But he said to me, this is God, Jesus speaking to Paul. But Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. The second one is, is one that I use a lot in my teaching. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, what is he, what is he speaking of? It. Grace. The grace of God teaches, read it with me, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. How many of us have tried to improve our behavior? Yeah, all of us. Try harder, do harder. Yeah. Be right. Get right with God. You know, 
If you, bad, if you do bad, you're out of fellowship with God. You ever heard that one? Yeah. For the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Remember that scripture, guys. Titus is where that's from. All right. New identity. We've got a new identity in Christ. What might that mean to you? What, that, what, what does that mean to you, Carol? Well, there's lots, lots of scriptures that I, that I know, that I claim. Um, I'm going to say a couple, and then I'd like you be thinking, and then you say one out loud that, that you know. Okay. I'm God's child. I am his masterpiece. I am beautiful. I am a princess. Who are you? Speak it out. I know you know some of these. Come on. Wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. Forgiven. Forgiven. Righteous. Who said that? Righteous. We are the righteousness of Christ. We are loved. Wash clean. Good. I'm an heir. I am an heir. Been blessed with every spiritual gift in the heavenly realm. Exactly. Thanks, Donna. Yeah. I'm an oak of righteousness. Oak of righteousness. Okay. Good, good. Strong, sturdy. You're ready for that one. All right, here we go. Our old self is dead, buried, and gone. A lot of times, folks, I used to identify, I have been in a habit of identifying my past, myself with my past. When people have said, so what about you, Pop? You, know, you heard me say that I had a problem with alcoholism. Okay? At times, I used to identify myself as an alcoholic. I used to identify myself as a bad father. I used to identify myself as a bad husband. But I learned something in one of these layers as we went through, I learned that my identity is not, on my is not based on my past weaknesses or sin. A, a writer has said this, I refuse to be identified by my past weaknesses and sin. I refuse to be identified. That's why when I go to celebrate recovery, I often say, I'm a child of God, absolutely loved by Him, and totally accepted in his sight. That's my identity. I have had issues with alcohol, but that's not my identity. Okay? So, but here's, here's scripture that says, the old self is dead, buried, and gone. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You could, you could put behavior in that sin, in place of sin. This is one of my favorite passages. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But, but Christ lives in me. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by faith in the Son of God. What does that mean to you? Just to live by faith. 
Say again. No matter what, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. God's intentions for me are good. God's intentions for you are good. Yeah. There's a passage of scripture. Go ahead. Good. Say it again. God adopts you and you can never be yanked from his hands. That's right. Good. 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 We're dead to sin and alive to God. The first question I'm sure you're thinking about is, yeah, but I still sin. I call that the yeah, but gospel. <laughs> we, don't, we don't claim it. We say... Oh yeah, I know that's true and I'm going to put my faith in that. But, what about this? In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation born of God's Spirit. Read this one with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Pretty clear, huh? about this new creation, this new identity that we've been, been given. Both of these passages of Scripture say, born of God. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. We know that anyone born of God, born of God, we're born of God if we're believers, right? Yeah. Okay. So, Spout them off again. My, I'm a child of God. I'm God's friend. I'm a saint. I'm righteous. I'm perfectly loved. I'm accepted. I'm adopted. Heir. Heir. Sealed. Sealed. He's ambassador. Ambassador. I'm complete. Complete. Perfect. Perfect. Remain. Say? Remain. 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 Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good, good, good. Now, anybody got any, any yabbits? Anybody got any yabbits for that? Yeah. Good, good. All right. Yeah, but I keep doing that same thing over and over again. Yeah, but you're still righteous. <laughs> I don't say that. God says that. And I'm not fighting with him. Yeah. We're all the time fighting our behavior, aren't we? Yes. And that's not what it's all about. Hebrews 11.6 says this. It, it is impossible to please God without faith. You can try to improve your behavior and please God. And he simply says... You can't please me by behaving right. He is concerned with our behavior, but that, past, that, that scripture of Titus says, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So, our once for all forgiveness. Everybody believe that you're, all, you're, you're, you're forgiven once for all, right? Everybody believe that? Anybody doesn't believe that? It's okay to be honest here. Okay, here we go. Tell me about your forgiveness. <laughs> okay. My forgiveness. I can't explain it. 
I don't know why in the world God has forgiven me, but I do believe him when he says it was once and it's for all, but it's for all. Everything I've done, everything I've done, everything I did today, everything I'm going to do tomorrow, it's done. It's finished. I believe it. Good. Good. God forgave us and canceled our debt to Him. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Read it. He forgave us all our sins. How many is all? All, all is all. All is what? All. So past, present, future. Past, present, future. So how many sins were mine at the cross? How many sins? How many sins? Or, or, or of mine were at the cross. Every single one. All of them. And he forgave all our sins once for all. We've been, we've been forgiven once for all. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. Um, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus with the dove, what did John the Baptist say? Look. What the he, lamb takes away the sin of the world. That's what John the Baptist says. He takes away the sins of the world. Here's what Deb said. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This is our identity, guys. This is how God sees us through Christ. We've been made holy through Jesus' sacrifice, Hebrews 10.10, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Did I lose Sean? Yeah. yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> wrapped up in it. Huh? He's wrapped up in it. Go to the green, Deb. To we're going to go to the closeness of Christ because we're uh, we're a little bit. Whoa! That's being close to Christ. We're being hijacked. Okay. We don't need to Shut it down. Our closeness to Christ. How close are we? There you go. Did you hear Donna? No. He lives in us. How much closer can you get that Christ is living in us? Can't get any closer, can you? Having eternal life is having Christ's life. John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 1 John 5, 12. Whoever has the Son has... Life. 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 Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have. Life. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. I'm going to let you tell us what the closest of Christ means 
here at the end, okay? Sure. <laughs> All right, here's what Donna said. Christ literally and actually lives in us. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Paulie? Yeah. <coughs> I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Do you guys believe it? Yes. Do you believe it? That's the key. We are spiritually united with Christ. For if we have been united with him in the death like his, he, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. God is at work in us, carrying it to completion, being confident in, of this, that he who began a good work in you, he is in you working. Philippians 2.13, God who works in you. We serve in God's new way, led by the Spirit. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Hmm. There's that law again. But we often say, yeah, but I need to act right. I need to get straight here. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is, folks. To set you straight. All right. Carol, tell us. Tell us your closeness to Christ. Um, well, first of all, uh, I did this with community group not too long ago. and Anyhow, it's, uh, it's the verse of Scripture, John 14, 20, that Jesus, Jesus is talking. So, okay, I'm going to believe Jesus. And he says... For on that day, and he means resurrection, his resurrection. For on that day, you will know that I am in the Father. You are in me. And I am in you. How close can you get? <coughs> Not much closer. And then, and this is a carol translation of my favorite verses, uh, Romans 8, 38 and 39. And this is loose, you know, this is carol's translation. For I am convinced, I'm convinced, I don't just know it, I just don't hope it's true. I am convinced that nothing Nothing can separate me, not even me, from the love of God through Christ Jesus. And then it goes, neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor, and this is key, nor anything created. What is Satan? A created. He was created. Nothing can separate me from the love of God through Christ Jesus. That's my story, and that's what I'm sticking with. 
but it's taken layers from that 18-year-old girl who didn't, who didn't know that. I'd heard it, but I didn't know it. Get it down deep. Deep so that when that created someone comes along to try and tell you who you are, flip him off and say, this is who I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Annie. Well, <laughs> I'm just for that too. <laughs>